Leviticus chapter 14. Yesterday we saw in a rather lengthy chapter on the various inspections by the priests who functioned as a as-needed doctor, ad hoc physician. And um, these priests would declare they had the authority it wasn't just to declare food kosher or not, but the actual person of the Israelites, whether they were ceremonially clean or unclean, based on this breakout on their skin, various parts of the body, whether it was a scab or an old wound or scar, whether in fact it was a plague that was spreading, they had to quarantine the people and then check them again seven days later and they had a very precise procedure that God gave. And we saw how this all speaks to our absolute need to be purified before God, be made clean in His sight. This is all a picture of our sin nature and the sins that we commit that God made a provision for us to be able to be forgiven and to come into a right relationship with Him. Glory be to God. We're going to read Leviticus 14 now on the exact procedures in which people can be ritually clean or cleansed. Uh, the ritual for those people who would be healed of the leprosy. This chapter is not as long as the previous chapter, but we will read chapter 14 and um, it's actually not too much shorter than the other one actually. But we will divide this into three. And so one brother sister can read verses 1 to 20 another one 21 to 40, and then 41 to the rest of the chapter. Leviticus 14, let's hear what the Lord says about the people who were cleansed and what was the procedure, what was the procedure for them to be readmitted to the camp, the congregation. Praise God. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Uh, Leviticus 14, 1 through 20. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take him who is to be cleansed to living and um, who is to be cleansed to living and clean birds cedarwood scarlet and hyssop and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen, earthen vessel over running water as for the living bird he shall take it the cedarwood and the scarlet 
and the hyssop and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water, that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside his tent seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all the hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows. All his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephan of flour, Fine, of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean in those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in a holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest's, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of whom is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it on, and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And of the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil is the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanliness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering, and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. 
So the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Before we continue, we see how detailed of a procedure. So many things involved in getting this person ceremonially clean to readmit them into the congregation. And this leprosy, of course, there's nothing here talking about it being a result of sin, per se, but once again, it represents to us believers, Christians, the contaminating effect, the ostracizing effect of sin, that it separates us totally from God and from the rest of the church. Because the church is supposed to be a place where God is purified. The person. And one by one, pure people gather together to worship God, to offer a pure offering. And when sin comes in, by default it causes a division. It separates the person from God. And it separates us from one another. And there's a procedure. With all of these things involved in the cleansing of the leper, for us, God simply says, come to the cross. Plead the blood of Jesus. Turn from your sin. The leprosy of the heart that is because of our choosing. It wasn't a disease we caught that we weren't aware of and we had nothing to do with it. Sin is a disease that though we inherited from our first parents, especially Adam, who rebelled and we inherited that, we also own it by practice. From the very seat of our emotions, our will, from the heart proceeds various thoughts that are defiling, the Lord Jesus said. So everybody has this. But for the believer who has been washed, we need to make sure we stay clean. As we mentioned yesterday, we enter the highway of holiness, then we have to maintain the walk in that highway, or on that highway. And when somebody is derailed, or they leave that path, God still loves and He makes a way to come back. But they have to come and plead the blood of Jesus, ask God for forgiveness, and be restored through repentance. Praise God. We'll make a few more comments on this as we go along, but someone else please read the next 20 verses. Praise the Lord. Leviticus 14, um, 21-41. But if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be weighed. To make atonement for him, one-tenth of an ephah for a fi- fine flour mixed with the oil as a grain offering, a log of oil, and two turtle doves, two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford. One shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and log of oil, and the priest shall weigh them 
as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand and on his big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put the same of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be clean, on the thumb of the right hand and on the the big toe of the right foot on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons such as he can afford, such as he is able to afford, the one as sin offering and the other a burnt offering with the grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for one who has a leprous sore who cannot afford the usual cleansing. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, I put the leper's plague in a house in the land of your possession. And he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague, that all, that all that is in the house may not be made unclean. And afterwards, the priest shall go in to examine the house, and he shall examine the plague. And indeed, if the plague is on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague, and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. Praise the Lord. Praise God. More regulations that they had to follow in the instance of not only the people who can afford the normal offering for the purification, but also the treatment of these houses that will be contaminated with the leprosy. And again, we see the word mildew, but it's actually a leprous plague. The very same thing, same word, used for leprosy, that the house now has the leprosy. It's contaminated, and they had regulations on how to inspect it, to empty it, and to declare it unclean, and then the examination that follows. seems very 
logical, especially now that we know more about the spread of this fungus or mildew or mold type of thing. Now, these were people who just came out of Egypt. As we mentioned yesterday, it's just been about a year they came out of Egypt when they camped here at Mount Sinai. A very brief period of time, they were given these things for their own good and protection to keep them ritually and ceremonially clean and also protected from the spread of disease. And yet they didn't know all the ins and outs of these things. They're simply told, just like the dietary laws. And they followed, and those who obeyed God without questioning, they were blessed. We have to remember, we're dealing with not just a, a person, a human being, but a man who, speaking with God face to face, uh, Moses was used by God for miracles. God established him. He chose him to be his spokesperson. And so everything they were told by Moses when they followed it, they had success. And here God is giving these regulations and these uh, procedures when it comes to dealing with this leprosy. Someone else please read the someone else please read the rest of the chapter. Exodus sorry, Leviticus chapter fourteen, verse forty one onwards. And he shall cause the house to be scraped inside, all around, and the dust that they scrape off they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Now if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house, after he has taken away the stones after he has scraped the house and after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread in the house, it is an active leprosy in the house, it is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones, its timber, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them outside the city to an unclean place. Moreover, he who goes into the house at all, while it is shut up, shall be unclean until evening. And he who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and he who eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes in and examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, because the plague is healed. And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. Then he shall kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. And he shall take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet, and the living bird, and dip them in the blood of the slain bird and in the running water, and sprinkle the house seven times. And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water and the living bird, with the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet, then he shall let the living bird loose outside the city in the open field, 
and make atonement for the house and it shall be clean. This is the law for any leprous sore and scale, for the leprosy of a garment and of a house, for a swelling and a scab and a bright spot, to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. Amen. Amen. Clearly, God's showing with the number seven, the seven days for re-examination. We see the number seven in the case of seven times sprinkling the blood. In other words, God is showing that for sin to be thoroughly dealt with, a complete work of God must be accomplished in the sinner's life. As you see the mildew or the leprous plague spreading on a garment or on a house, the walls of the house, you see how thoroughly God disposes of it. We see a parallel in the New Testament that a person who is in the congregation of the Lord who will not repent will be examined and certain measures will be taken for a reinspection once the law or the word is given and then upon their reinspection if God sees that the person still holds on to sin and have not has not turned their back on sin the plague remains at some point that person will be permanently cut off from God's presence and from the people of God Now, the inspection in the case of a believer doesn't necessarily mean after seven days or even after 70 days. God is the judge, and he knows how long a person would be mercifully and fairly given opportunity to repent, and what is the cutoff point. Now, we see something of a parallel again in a parable when the Lord said that the servant pleaded with the master the owner of the vineyard when he came and said this tree is not bearing any fruit in other words it's, it has a contaminating effect it's going to burden the ground get rid of it and then the servant pleads with the master let it alone just once more one more year and then if it doesn't bear fruit out I'll, I'll take it out myself these are all truths that are very sobering if we were in this situation with the Israelites with all that entails the inspection of the disease the re-examination 
the various laws, you notice that the blood would be touched on the right side, on the lobe, the uh, thumb of the right hand, <clears throat> the right ear of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot. The right hand of the Lord. When we talk about the right hand, we talk about the person's strength. The entire person. Symbolized here by head to toe. Quite literally. And part of the head, which is the lobe of the right ear. Part of the hand, which is the right thumb. And part of the foot, which is the big toe on the right foot. The total person. They need treatment. Sin has to be dealt with thoroughly. Then we see the bird, the live bird, and the dead bird, and the blood of that dead bird coming on the live bird. We see hyssop, and we see the cedar. Things that we know about the hyssop is used to dab or smear the blood on the doorposts and lintels. It was an agent used, as King David says, wash me. Use the hiss of Lord, I'll be clean. We see a live bird and a bird that's killed. The sacrifice. It takes blood to take care of sin. And the Lord died and gave his blood. And then he rose from the dead. And notice the blood is on that live bird that's let loose. He carried the blood. The blood was good to take into the heavenly mercy seat to make an atonement for us, to take the plague away from us. The plague of the heart. If we were in this position, seeing all that it involves, there's no question that it would make a, it, such an indelible impression into every person regarding the utter severity of leprosy and the severity of the consequences, the thoroughness of the examination and the cleansing, so many things involved, and they kept seeing blood. And they had the element of water also involved in this. All showing clearly, with the New Testament expressly using these terms, washing of the water of the Word of God, washing symbolized by baptism, regeneration, the washing, and the cleansing of the blood that redeems us. Leviticus is rich with meaning, showing what we have in Christ. And isn't it a shame that people would not read the entire Word of God and understand how valuable and how easy it is to come to the living God and be instantly cleansed from leprosy no waiting necessary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just a humble heart. Two people came to the temple. One went home justified. The other was not pardoned. 
because the one that was justified was not proud like the other one. Wouldn't even lift his eyes or head up to heaven, but beat his hand on his chest, showing the true contrition, the penitence, the sorrow for sin, and the unworthy feeling, but nonetheless coming by faith. God, you can do something. That plague was taken away. The other man went home with the plague. Was not pardoned because he was proud. He didn't value God's word. He didn't want God's way. He wanted to come and add something to the equation. And he wanted to come looking for justice as if he was righteous. But it was a man that knew that he was not righteous who went away pardoned. If we were living in the time of Leviticus, we'd have such a strong impression about the nature of sin. The nature of this leprosy which typified or symbolized sin. It was a dreaded, horrible disease. It wasn't something that would be treatable at home or in the hospital. Of course, they had no hospitals, but even if there were, this was a special case where they had to be removed and isolated. And only the priest can declare under God's authority. There's no lab tests, none of that, but a visual inspection that God said what to do, what to look for. And they had to go, they had to, go to a procedure and then offer to show that even though the person with leprosy had not sinned, they still needed some offerings and one of them we see was a sin offering. All of this pointing, see the many things are there in the Old Testament that we cannot grasp by our own human understanding and understanding of literary devices and poetic illusions or metaphors and symbolism. We can try all we want, but we need the revelation of God. And that's why it's important to read Genesis to Revelation humbly preferably on our knees as much as possible with an open heart and say, Lord, I don't know anything. I've said that to the Lord many times. Lord, I, don't, I know nothing, Lord. I don't know anything. I don't know anything, Lord. I don't know how to understand this at all. Even if I have a clue, even if I have intuition, even if I can think certain things, I still say, Lord, I don't know because I can make a mistake. But if I come to God and say, Father, you teach me. All of these things of these laws, O oh Lord, I know that you're perfect. And that's the foundation of any kind of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of real knowledge. We come to God and we understand he's almighty. He's awesome. There's no one like him. And what a privilege to come to him, even talk to him. And even more than that, to ask him for wisdom and understanding to have a relationship with him through the blood of his son and say, Lord, please teach me. What does this mean originally for the people to whom it was written? And Lord, I want to know what does it mean for me? I need to know both. The Lord will teach us if we come to him patiently, if we value these things because it's the word of God. We need to stop the clock Many times that's the very culprit 
this anxiousness and anxiety and a million thoughts and words spoken and thought instead of being quiet after a prayer that's sincere and say, Father, teach me. What a privilege. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. She was in no rush. She would have missed everything. Her sister was very distracted. She didn't get what Mary got, even though they were quite literally feet apart. And the creator of the universe was sitting in their house. The Lord told Martha, you recall, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things. But your sister, she's chosen the better part, the better thing, which will not be taken away from her. We need to slow down when we come to God's presence. Stop talking. Stop trying to do things. And as the psalmist says, in Psalm 131, be like a weaned child. Leave all the clamoring and the anxiousness aside. I'm in the presence of God. I need God to speak to me. And God will show us many things. Another good rule to live by when we come to the Word of God is try to empty ourselves of everything we've heard on the subject from previous times especially being with people or reading books of, uh, or by people who don't have the right doctrine. They don't have that uh, fear of God. And as I mentioned yesterday, the entire concept of holiness is not really biblical. It's uh, malleable, as I mentioned, changeable, flexible adjustable according to the modern desire to have a foot in the world and foot in the kingdom of God too. And so productions are there of books, of DVDs, and they'll have the same lingo, fear of God, and teach you on the commandments and the law and grace and gospel and holiness. But you can just see that real fear of God is not there. The real awe the real reverence. And if we associate with such people, as the Apostle says, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good manners, good morals. We'll begin to flock with them, be birds of the same feather. But emptying those things, we can come to God and say, Lord, please teach me. I don't want to assume anything. I don't want to jump anywhere. I want to read this. And that's one of the reasons, as the Apostle told Timothy, one of the things he said was, give attendance to the reading of the Word of God. What a privilege. Even if we said nothing, we just read and we heard. That's a big deal. Provided we come sincerely humbly. But on top of that, the Lord is giving explanations. Hallelujah. Application. Hallelujah. That seven times means I need a thorough cleansing of my sin. And Jesus' blood provides that. Hallelujah. That I need to be thoroughly cleansed in order to have what? Real fellowship with God, with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and with one another. First John chapter 1. 
I'm really in the light. I've been inspected. I've been free from contamination. God has washed me clean and I'm walking without the leprosy. Because the leprosy of sin brings contamination by willful choices. As long as I maintain my distance and clear demarcation line between me and the world, I won't get infected with any plague. Hallelujah. And that dead bird typifying how sacrifice of Jesus Christ was necessary to make an atonement. The live bird, the resurrection of the living God, taking the blood still forever. He's the one with the nail-pierced hand and nail-pierced feet. In his resurrection, they saw that. Thomas put his hand and he felt the nail prints. The wounds are visible. In Revelation it says, this is the lamb. John says, I saw as it were a lamb. There's a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ. The clothing, the house, contamination was a serious thing. They dreaded it. Imagine if believers would read Leviticus. Understand to what extent God has provided such an easy way to be cured of such a deadly plague called sin. And how we should be dreading that thing and staying far away from it. Hate it to the core. What is sin? Anything that violates God's holy law. Rebellion against God's plan for our lives. Doing things that would contaminate our souls, our bodies, our people, our houses. Do you know your car can get contaminated? Your car can have leprosy. How? If you bring in demons and demon artifacts, it's carrying a plague. We need to cleanse it. We need to pray. We need to repent. We need to get the things out. Tear down the things that carry the plague. In other words, get rid of the stuff that is not good for your soul and God will show you. The house can have leprosy. You might have to tear the whole thing down. Just like a dangerous mold that has spread everywhere. There's no hope for any kind of replastering or renovation of this part and that part. It's spread everywhere. It's got to be abandoned, demolished, and gotten rid of before that thing spreads to the neighborhood. It's a picture, believers, of the danger of sin within the body of Christ. God says, I'm going to excise it, meaning cut off, not exercise, excise it. And he warns the Corinthians, he warns the Galatians, he warns the Ephesians, he warns the Philippians, he warns the seven churches in the book of Revelation, he warns us today, God is still holy. And he wants us to be holy because he's holy. And he shows us how to be holy. Through the blood. Through the blood. That holy, sinless, perfect blood. The life of Christ was given so I can live. You can live. In the backdrop and context of all of these things concerning leprosy. How we should treasure 
what we have in Christ and be so vigilant and protective of what he's given. Never sell the truth. Never contaminate ourselves with sin that's around us. Keep the ear gate pure, the eye gate pure, the heart pure, the hands clean, the feet walking straight, not crooked. Eyes looking straight ahead, not to the right or the left. All these are from the scriptures. How many more times can God tell us how serious it is to get off the path of holiness, how dangerous it is, how contaminating it is. And so, the Bible says, concerning the church, make sure there's no leaven in there, because that leaven is like the leprosy. It can spread. On the one hand, the woman hid leaven in a certain amount of meal or flour, dough, and it spread. The Lord Jesus says, that's a good thing. It's the kingdom of God. It seems to be hidden, but it's going to come out. It's going to manifest in a beautiful, wonderful, grand way. Because his kingdom will be everlasting. It will take over every other kingdom. Hallelujah. Like the mustard seed that grows into a huge tree and the birds of the air lodge in its branches. There are many incorrect interpretations circulated for the last at least 150 years. All kinds of uh, all kinds of explanations about how it's the world and the birds are the bad people of the world and leaven is always bad. No, leaven is not always bad. Most of the time it's depicted as bad, but not always in the Bible. Even in Leviticus you'll see leaven was allowed, just not on the altar. But it's a picture during the feasts and during the sacrifices on the altar. God says, don't have any of it. We must compare scripture with scripture. We must come to God and say, Lord, you teach me. And I want to consult people who hypothesize and they guess. Most of all, I don't see the fear of the living God in them. We need to go to God. But that leaven is like leprosy in the case of the leaven that is malicious. As Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the yeast. That context is like leprosy. And what happens when the infection comes into a church? What will God do? He will quarantine to see if it can be treatable. The only way it cannot be treatable is if the person doesn't want to be treated. If they don't want to repent. There are people who say, I like to join the cause, I like to come to church, I like to do this and that. But they are serving the devil and they love the devil. How do you know they love the devil? Because they lie through their teeth when they say they love God. And even if they show up, to meetings and coming to God they're so self-deceived and they want to stay that way it's a very dangerous thing they're literally hanging over the cliff of hell or to descend into hell it's how dangerous it is and yet there are people who are hanging by the tips of their fingers about to drop into hell and God comes down like a majestic eagle and swoops down and rescues them because of his mercy and because 
they began to cry out to God and said, Lord, I promised this, I promised that. Oh, God, I was such a fool. I was playing with my soul, Lord. I thought I was deceiving you and other people, but it was me I was deceiving, Lord. I'm about to go into hell. Please have mercy on me, Lord. I promise I'll be true. I'll stop drinking and smoking and carousing and lying. I know I can't get to heaven like that, Lord. Please forgive me. God save some of those people. But we can never presume upon the grace of God and the provision of God. There's always a time limit. And who knows when that is for other people or even ourselves. Better to make sure we don't have leprosy today and stay far away from it. Because the leprosy of the heart is a willful decision to go and get infected. As long as we stay clear from the contaminating source, we'll be safe and prosperous and happy. Imagine the people having to cry, unclean, unclean, and tear their clothing. They had all this ritual they had to do. How humiliating. Oh, Lord, seems like humanity itself. The humanity of that individual is lost. Nobody can come near. They're isolated. and There's a stigma also attached to it. A lot of things are involved back in those days. And what would happen while they're isolated? Whether, if they could think whether they, they'll ever come back. And what a joy to be declared clean by the very person, the priest, who can readmit them into the congregation what a joy for a person who's been sent out by God such as in Corinthians God speaking to the Apostle Paul saying that man who's living like that in immorality you got to get him out of the church we're going to give his body over to destruction of the flesh by Satan basically so he can learn his lesson and there's hope for him to be saved if he repents that's an obvious inference right there and it's not an inference when you read the rest of the Bible. Because there's no coming back without repentance. There's no coming back without leaving the devil. You can't bring the devil with you into church or into heaven. Yet people live like they can. But that man in First Corinthians 5 was given, he was sent out. And obviously there was genuine remorse to the point where the apostles said, you need, to, you need to restore that man. But you see, the Spirit of God is the one who sees where the heart is. And the apostle was given that revelation. And so we, we must know that it's possible to be cleansed of all plague, all sin. We don't have to wait seven days, 14 days. We don't have to do any ritual. Oh, thank God. And even with all those rituals, did that guarantee that person would be going to heaven? No. It was just one aspect of ceremonial uncleanness. A very dreaded one, but only one aspect. They had other things to do. Many things to observe. God was telling them, showing them, teaching these people who just came out fresh out of Egypt how to approach him. 
so that they can worship him and he can live with them. All of this centuries later, the Lord Jesus died and he said, it is finished. Everything to remove the leprosy, the plague of sin from humanity. One man, the God-man, accomplished in one decisive act of a surrender of his life on the cross, barbarically, brutally murdered, not just a bird or a bull or a lamb or a goat. The Son of God was slaughtered so we don't succumb to the leprosy of sin. Imagine if people understood this in context. How careful they walk under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and how we'll treasure. Imagine if you give the keys to your car to your child turned 18 or 19 or 20 whatever the age the child does not take care of the vehicle at all. To the child or the teenager it's one of the many amenities of life that's afforded to him or her and it's no biggie as they would say it's no big deal but for the person who looked forward and waited a long time to get a set of wheels called a skateboard treasured that thing I was so thankful to the parents I waited a couple of years and mom and dad finally bought me a skateboard and how carefully that person would take care of that skateboard. The appreciation is so deep and the gift is so valuable. And consequently, it's guarded. It's kept in good repair, not trashed. There's a gratefulness. Oh, do we see how God has loved us so much? How he's cleansed us so thoroughly it was not just the blood on the right lobe, that lobe of the right ear, ear, or the thumb of the right hand or the big toe of the right foot. This blood of the Son of the living God, Jesus of Nazareth, shed his blood so that the total human being, the entire heart can be cleansed. Where we can come and actually have the greatest privilege to say, Lord, I'm bringing an offering to your altar. What is that? My very body. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm able to present my body as a living sacrifice to God because of the one sacrifice that was made for my sins. According to the Bible, every human being is a criminal of sorts not only fallen short of the grace of God or the glory of God but as the apostle says in Titus we ourselves were also foolish and disobedient but then the conscience is there and the person who begins to follow that light the measure of light that God gives they're on the path to receiving revelation about Jesus Christ As the Apostle says, or the writer Luke in Acts chapter 10, once again about Cornelius, the man who gave alms, he prayed, he sought the Lord. 
He wasn't saved, but he began to do the right thing as far as he knew. And God said, I'm going to show you more. And God called the apostle Peter to go to this man's house and tell him about Jesus. And he got saved. And Peter said, now I see that any person who's righteous, any nation, God will receive. In other words, according to the light given when we act upon that, do the right thing, don't violate the conscience that God has given, and we begin to seek after God, search for Him. God never plays hide and seek. He will reveal Himself. The only person He's hidden from is the, the insincere and unrepentant person. But people who really want him, God says, I can cleanse you instantly. Praise be to the Lord. The next chapter we can read on our own, as I mentioned, something that's very straightforward. We will go to chapter 16 next time, Lord willing, about the very holy day of atonement. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your mercies. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, amazing grace. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we hear the Word of God, as the Spirit of God is bringing the truth right to our hearts, we would walk in a manner worthy of your name at the same time have the great rejoicing, reverence with rejoicing, rejoicing with trembling, loving you and fearing you, having a victorious day in Christ through your blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Lord, our Savior, thank you for doing what you did, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you impress everything that you're teaching us very deep in our hearts. That we would never depart from the living God. But represent you in holiness to people around us. For that is a distinguishing character of the living God. He's holy. As well as he's all loving. Help us to exhibit that all God. And come to you patiently with great humility and expectation and faith that God will speak when we read any part of the scriptures. Valuing it, Lord, more than anything else. As Job said, and you recorded it by the Holy Spirit, I've esteemed the words of God's mouth, the word of God, more than my necessary food. So let it be with us, O Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The blood washes us head to toe, inside out, all around, thoroughly, justified freely by your blood. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.